0: We're in a series called Dive In, Authentic and Relevant Christianity, and it's based on Oakwood's mission statement. It's not doing anything. Go ahead and move it forward for me, would you? Did it freeze up on you? You're okay. Nobody look back. Don't don't go back. It's the worst thing in the world to be that tech person when the thing freezes and nothing you can do, and the guy up front's like, Do something. Did we get it working? Is it? There you go. I got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our mission statement at Oakwood is to multiply Christ like disciples who are Podcar. Everybody say Podcar. Passionate about their God, obedient to God's word, dependent on God through prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant in their witness. We've already covered passionate and obedient. Today we're going to cover dependent on God through prayer. Now, you know this prayer, before we pray together to start this message, I thought we would recite this. Now, just understand baggage, we all come from baggage, the uh, faith background that I grew up in, we didn't do recited prayers, we were too afraid that was too Catholic, and so we, uh, we shied away from these kind of things, but there's nothing wrong with this, there's nothing wrong with, with quoting the Lord's Prayer together, we're going to actually stand together, we're going to say it together, um, I know there are people at Oakwood that wish we would do it every week, that's a little much for somebody in my background, but uh, we, we will do this every once in a while, and it's good to do this. And so, just a little bit of another reason why I don't like doing, you know, talk out loud together things in church is uh, we got to know the rules. So, every time there is a comma, you pause, okay, just so we know. I know some of you are like, you love it when we do a reading out loud because you like want to show everybody you know it, so you do it faster than everybody else. i thought <laughs> how never, how' will be the name of the kingdom come to will be But we're not doing it like that. So, we're going to pause every time there's a or a little. You know, anytime there's a punctuation, we pause, okay? And this, by the way, is the old school one. I know there's a traditional one and a contemporary one. Don't get thrown off. Everybody's like, what are we doing? Trespasses, is better or sinner. I don't know. Uh, it's going to be trespasser or something like that, okay? So we're going to stand together and we're going to say this together out loud. Go ahead and rise and let's say the Lord's Prayer in unison. And if it doesn't go between the two, help me out, okay? Thank you back there. Ready? Our Father... the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Father, we come to you this morning, having just recited together the Lord's Prayer. Father, we come and pray to you and ask that you would have your way here this morning. God, help us to learn how to pray. Help us to be dependent upon you through that avenue of prayer. And then before we continue on, if you just say this prayer silently in your heart, you don't have to say anything out loud, but if you just say, God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Just give that prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, our prayer is that you would be glorified, that everyone hearing this would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We get to this line in our mission statement, dependent on God through prayer. And there's a lot packed in that little sentence there. Obviously, we can spend our time talking about prayer, and I'm going to talk about prayer a little bit today, but I don't want my focus to be on that part of it, because I think that you'll see by the end of the message today, prayer becomes the natural outcome of someone who's dependent on God. If you're truly dependent on God, then you will pray. You will have that conversation with him about everything in your life. I really think the key issue for those of us who struggle with regular prayer life and a strong, fervent prayer life, I think the real issue isn't just getting better at prayer. The issue is dependence on God. Do we believe that we're dependent upon him for everything? I mean, in the United States of America, it's honestly that line there... Give us this day our daily bread. Do we really need to pray that? Because you probably have lunch plans. You probably have dinner plans. You probably know what you're eating all next week. We're blessed. We are blessed with abundance in America. Not everybody. I know that people. some people obviously struggle and food is an issue. But the blessing actually brings with us a little bit of a curse in the sense that we can forget that we need God. In our daily lives. And the minute we forget that God is essential and we depend upon him for every breath we breathe, every meal we eat, when we forget that, we are headed down a really seriously bad path. Are you dependent on God or are you independent from God? As a church, our mission statement is all about us together. And so I would ask you this. Are you dependent on one another? Do you see other people in this church as your brothers and sisters? and We need each other and we need God. It goes totally against everything the society tells you. We should be self-sufficient. We don't need anybody. I will pull myself up by the bootstraps. Only for so long. We need to learn that we need to be dependent on God and we need to be dependent on one another and that's how we ought to live our lives as believers. So this week as I was getting ready and thinking about the prayer aspect of this message, thankfully I got a... A wonderful email from Max Lucado. And Max Lucado has a new book coming out, 250 prayers that you can pray. I'm like, sweet. But if you ordered the book, you got a free download of 10 quick tips on prayer. So this morning, I want to share eight of those. <laughs> and it's not the whole message. It's just the part about prayer that I thought I'd share. Freebie from Max, right? And he says some great things. I'm just going to walk through each one of these and read them. Start with prayer. Start with prayer. When we invite God into our world, he walks in, he brings us a host of gifts, joy, patience, resilience, anxieties come but they don't stick, fears surface and then depart, the Lord will hear your crying and will comfort you when he hears you, he will help you, Isaiah 30. We can do much after we pray but you should do nothing before we pray. Open the door and start with prayer. This is kind of a no-duh tip, but it's a good tip on prayer. Start there. We typically end there. We typically do everything we can in our own power, and then like, oh, yeah, God might be able to do a little bit too. We usually end with prayer when we're desperate, right? When there's no other hope, when we should realize that that is the first place we should go, prayer. Then fill your prayers with praises. Paul urges us to rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4. Not just on paydays, good days, or birthdays, but rejoice in the Lord always. It's one thing to rejoice in the Lord when life is good, but when the odds are against you, it's not easy, but it is possible. Lay claim to the promises of God in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Rejoice in the sovereignty of God. His throne is still occupied. His will is still perfect. And God uses everything to accomplish his will. Praise the Lord. Remember to praise the Lord in your prayers. Pray honest prayers. Don't take pride in well-crafted prayers. Don't apologize for incoherent prayers. No games, no cover-ups. Just be honest, honest to God. Climb into his lap. Tell him everything that's on your heart or tell him nothing at all. Just lift your heart to heaven. We need to learn to pray honest prayers. Uh, Jesus himself condemned the Pharisees who loved to get up in the temple and give long-winded, you know, exalting prayers that everybody was like, oh, that person is so spiritual. And Jesus condemned that. Don't do that. Let's be honest. Let's be real. Years ago, I was invited up on stage with a bunch of really high-powered hootie tooty speakers at this conference, and uh, I was the only youth pastor on the stage with a bunch of pastors, and we were praying over somebody going into ministry. We laid hands on it. We went around. The microphone got passed around, and we all prayed. At the end, I had people come up, and they just said, you're a youth pastor, aren't you? I'm like, how'd you know? I said, because your prayer. Because <laughs> your prayer. You just kind of prayed like it was. And I love that. I took that as a major compliment. When we pray, be yourself. In the tradition that I grew up in, it was kind of amazing to me. Normal guys that I hung out with, um, you know, you'd be in the hallway before church, you'd be talking about the game. And they'd be like, yeah, they better win or I'm going to be ticked off, blah, blah. And you're talking about life. And then they get up to pray. And that same dude that was just yapping about the game grabs a mic. Our Father, thou art the greatest in all the land. And you're like, what's that? Where did that voice come from? That wasn't you 10 seconds ago. We were bashing the refs about that game. And and there's no need for that. There's just no need to be fake. Prayer is beautiful in that we can come as we are because God sees right through us anyway. So pray honest prayers. Pray bold, faith-filled prayers. Scripture says, so let us come boldly to the very throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4. Dare to pray boldly with faith. The faith-filled prayer invites God to be God, to be sovereign over every aspect of our lives. Pray with faith. And then remind God of his promises. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silence, Isaiah 62. God invites you, yes, commands you to remind him of his promises. Find a promise that fits your problem. Build your prayer around it. These prayers of faith touch the heart of God and miracles are set in motion. Remind God of what he's already said he would do. It's not manipulation. God told us to do that. He rejoices when his children recite the fact that we know his promises. David, in the Psalms, prays quite often. When I was teaching through the Psalms with the college students here, uh, we were talking about uh, David's prayers and how honest they were. And David would just outright tell God, God, I got enemies, they're coming after me. They want to slay me. Don't let them slay me. What good am I to you dead? How can I lift up your name to the enemy if I die? How can I praise you if I'm dead? I love it. David's like, Save me, God, for your sake. <laughs> Talk about bold prayers. But David was telling God that he remembered that God promised to be with him and for him and protect him. And David reminded God. So remind God of his promises and then pray precise prayers. When the wedding ran low on wine, Mary wasn't content to say, help us, Jesus. She was specific. They have no more wine. John 2. A specific prayer is a serious prayer. If I say to you, do you mind if I come over to your house sometime, you might not take me seriously. But if I say, can I come over this Friday night, I really need your advice, then you know my petition is sincere. When we offer a specific request, God knows the same. We really need to work on this in our prayers, not throwing out those generic things that really don't mean anything. Like, th- my favorite classic one, and I'm guilty of this too. You forget, and you, you, you're just quickly, and you're, you know, you're not giving it much thought. Lord, be with Jim Bongiorno. That's a dumb prayer. The Lord already promised he's going to be with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Why are we praying, Lord, be with so-and-so? Lord, be with so-and-so. Be with so-and-so. No, why don't we pray, Lord, you know... Make Jim better looking in the name of Jesus. I don't know what it is. Whatever it might be. We need to get specific. You don't just be with him. Because we know you're with him, right? So we need to be, I'm just kidding, Jim. Best, best looking Italian guy his age I've ever met. So pray precise prayers. Confess your sins is another important aspect. Tell Jesus what you did. Place your guilt on the back of your sin bearer. Give it to Jesus with this request. Will you take this from me? Will you take this away? Do this as often as needed. One times, two times, 10 times a day. By all means, hold nothing back. No sin is too ancient or recent, too evil or insignificant. Confess your sins and pray for others. We have the opportunity to offer heartfelt prayers for every person we see, the attendant at the grocery store, the nurse at the doctor's office. You don't have to tell them of your intercessory prayer. When we seek to bless others through prayer, we are blessed. Eight quick things. And by the way, I should have told you the back of your notes are empty. You could have written all those down. If you didn't, too late now. If you really want all 10 of Max's tips on prayer, email me this week and I will send you that link and you can have all 10 of those things. So today I'm not really talking about prayer. I'm talking about dependence. Everybody say dependence. Dependence. The big idea is I'm dependent on God through prayer. Well, are we? Is prayer the afterthought or the first thought? Is God walking with us throughout our day in a conversation Or do we remember him maybe at night before we put our head on a pillow? Am I dependent on God through prayer? John 15.5 is a good verse about dependence. It gives us this analogy. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a strong statement. We need to be dependent on God and we need to be praying fervently. We need to be connected like that branch or that vine. Because on our own, we don't have life. We don't have on our own strength and our own power. We need to be connected to the source, the root that gives us nourishment. So are you dependent on God? Which brings me to introduce you to Zeus. In 2012, according to the, um, what's that thing again? Guinness Book of World Records, I always forget that. According to the Guinness Book of World's Record, in 2012, Zeus was the world's tallest dog. I know Zeus, I met Zeus. Sadly, big dogs like this uh, died. Zeus died at age five, and so now there's another dog that's taller, and he's the newest one. But in 2012, Zeus was the tallest dog on the planet, and I met Zeus. Now backtrack a little bit before I tell you about my meeting with Zeus. You need to know that I grew up scared to death of dogs. I I, just—I was always afraid like crazy of dogs. I think it has something to do with when I was a little child. I think I was petting my dog Sherry. And Sherry didn't want to be petted when Sherry was eating. And and Sherry bit me in the ear. Something like that happened. Ever since then, I've just been afraid of dogs. Never had a dog growing up after that. And so any dog I ever saw, I was pretty sure it was going to eat me. That's how I grew up. Jack's changed everything for me. I have a dog now, chocolate lab, and I love dogs. I don't I'm not afraid of dogs. And it's amazing what happens, right? I used to be scared out of my mind. Just this week I was in uh, a bean go having coffee with some youth pastors and a guy walks in with his dog and the guy went to the counter ordered coffee and the dog just walked around. And next thing I knew, I'm sitting there drinking coffee and talking and I've been petting this dog for 5 minutes. He just kind of laid down by me and he made me his buddy. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness. I went home and told my wife, you wouldn't believe this." I found myself petting a dog I didn't even realize I was petting a dog she's like man have you changed I'm telling you I was scared to death I met Zeus back in 2012 by accident when I was still afraid of dogs Zeus was from Plainwell Michigan My daughter, Caitlin, had just finished playing a soccer game against Plainwell High School. And so you obviously go to Plainwell Ice Cream Company after that game. And so we headed over to Plainwell and we got there. The whole team was heading there. We got to the ice cream shop and as we drove by, we saw Zeus. And my daughter, Caitlin, immediately, she's like, oh, great. You're not going to go now, are you? I'm like, "I I can do it. I can do it. So, with all my bravery, I got out of the car. And Zeus is, I mean, you need to understand, Zeus stands 44 inches tall when he's standing normally. He is seven foot four when he stands on his back two legs. This is a large dog, seven foot four. That's huge. It's a big dog. Well, I got out of the car. And then back in those days, I didn't have the greatest phone, and the cameras weren't that great. And this is the first shot I got. That is a high school girl soccer player, by the way. She's not a little girl. That's a big dog. And, and I felt pretty good because I snuck around behind Zeus. Zeus couldn't see me and I snapped this picture while looking into my phone. Well, immediately I took another picture. That's the second picture I took. Zeus was turning. Now, I'm still looking in my phone when I looked at the picture of Zeus the, and then I took the phone down and Zeus's face was right here. <laughs> and I lost it. I'm like, ah! and the owner's like, no, no, don't worry. He he, doesn't, he never eats. He never bites. He never bites. I'm like, He didn't get that big never eating something. (laughs) I thought for sure I was next. Because of this whole thing, it it set me down a path of, you know, when you're afraid of something so much, you kind of got to study it. And so I looked up about dogs and I found this one thing that was fascinating about when dogs meet each other for the first time. I didn't realize they did. They play a little game called who's the big dog. When you put two dogs in a fenced-in area that don't know each other, eventually one of the dogs... I need somebody that um, is not going to be afraid of me. Barry, you're it. One of the dogs eventually will go to the other dog and just put his chin on top of the dog. You ever see dogs do this? They're doing this on purpose because they're trying to determine who's the big dog, who's the dominant dog. And so eventually one dog will just come and put their head on the other dog, right? Right? Here's the problem. Little dogs always think they're the big dog. So little dogs will always try then to say, no, no, and then try to get their head onto, can you imagine a chihuahua trying to get their head on top of (laughs) Zeus, right? But trust me, the chihuahua would try because little dogs always think they're the big dogs. Now, I applied this. I'm like, oh, that's cool to know. This was back in 2012. Josh was a little boy, and we started playing a game called, who's the big dog? Father and son, he's only like this tall. And if Josh entered a room and I felt like playing, I would just simply say, Hey, Josh, who's the big dog? Now he had a choice. He could either say, You are, which meant he did not want to play, or if he said, I'm the big dog, he'd better start running because he knew, <laughs> he knew what was coming. As soon as Josh said, the big dog he'd start running and I got on all fours and I would whoa, 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 whoa. and I would catch him by the ankle and just trip him and he would tumble down and I would pounce on top of Josh hold his legs down put his hands over his head and with my teeth I would pull his t-shirt over his head and I would say who's the big dog who's the big dog until Josh said Yeah, the big dog or he said I'm gonna pee then that ended it right <laughs> either way we stopped playing big dog there was times when Josh didn't want to have it and he would just walk in a room and I'd be like, hey Josh, who's the big dog? You're the big dog. He just settled it right there from the beginning. You know, our problem when it comes to prayer is really about our dependence. Your one answer to the question, who's the big dog in your life, will determine your prayer life. Just like little chihuahuas, we tend to look at a mighty God who created all things and in whom all things hold together, and we say, I'm the big dog. How foolish must that look from heaven when He looks down and we say, No, thank you. I'm in charge of my life. I'll make my own decisions. I don't need you right now. I'll let you know because I'm the big dog. How foolish. Dependence on God is seen during another prayer of Jesus. The Lord's Prayer is a good prayer, and it's worthy of taking a look at the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer is not meant to be the only way we pray. If you were to look up Matthew 6, verse 5 ish, is where that, that is at, the Lord's Prayer. You'll notice that it's a really incredible teaching about, from Jesus. People were wanting to know, how should we pray? And Jesus gives them a lot of, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And this is how you should pray. Now, Jesus didn't say, this is what you should pray. He didn't mean, when you pray, that's the only prayer. But he was giving us an example. Here's how you should pray. See, he didn't quote that prayer every time he was going through something. In Matthew 26, we're going to read this together here in just a second. We have another prayer of Jesus where he didn't give the Lord's Prayer. It was the model of how to pray. But here's what Jesus prayed in Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Let me read it. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the son of man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. There's three things I see in this prayer of Jesus that teaches us about dependence And the first is, Jesus prayed, believing in the Father's power. Everybody say power. Power. Jesus prayed, believing in the Father's power. And don't be confused. When when Jesus first, when he first prays, he, he says, if it is possible. I don't think he was wondering about God's power. He knew God's power. You'll find out in point number two, Jesus knew something else about God because he was dependent on God. Jesus prayed believing in the Father's power. He's supreme. He is sovereign over all things. He has no limit on his power. Omnipotence is the word we use when we talk about the almighty power of God. And Jesus knew that the Father had all power over all things. And so he prayed. So for us, I must stop thinking I'm in control. Any control freaks in the room? Anybody want to admit with me that you're a control freak? God bless us. Hi, I'm Don. I'm a control freak. Uh, I am obviously—if you don't know that I'm a control freak, you haven't been around very long. Just come and try to set up the chairs someday. I like it a certain way. There's 21 inches between each row, and there's a board I use that I stick down between each aisle to make sure they're exactly 21 inches. Trust me, I'm a control freak. Control freaks really struggle with being dependent on God through prayer. We're almost like big time wrestlers and we we only tag God in when we need him. I got this, God. I got this. No, you don't. You're not in control. The whole fallacy of thinking that we have anything under control is foolishness. We're not in control. Things change on a dime. This past week, uh, actually, it was funny, uh, last week I wasn't here. I was speaking to the teens in Grand Rapids or in Battle Creek area. And, uh, my father was watching the nine o'clock service. Now, my father's name is Donald Jackson. He's Don Sr., I'm Don Jr. And my dad said, watching from the hospital, hope to be released today. All sorts of people at Oakwood was like, when did Pastor Don go in the hospital? Why aren't we praying for him? Everybody thought there was some conspiracy theory. No, it was my dad. My dad had a stroke. If you're going to have a stroke, I guess the kind he had is the best one. It's an asymmetric of brain stem. Just weakness on the right side, little trouble swallowing. Besides that, he's doing really well. He was in the hospital for 14 days. That was troubling. But then Monday, I found out my sister's 10 years older than me. She lost her job. She's 65 and she's about ready to retire. And then, boom, she lost her job. No health care, no retirement. It's just a mess. And then we got home, and Tuesday night, we found out that Julie had COVID. If you ever think that you're in control of everything, just wake up. You're not. Life changes quickly. Chaos is all around us. You've heard it said before. You're either coming out of chaos, you're about ready to go in chaos, or you're in chaos now. That's the world we live in. You're not in control. We've got to get over the delusion that we've got everything under our fist. No, you have nothing. But God is in control. One of the first things we need to be able to do to be dependent is actually say, God, I'm not in control of anything. And offer him control over your life and the others around you. First thing, believe in God's power. Second thing, Jesus prayed trusting in the Father's plan. This is why Jesus said, if it is possible. He wasn't saying, is it possible because of your power? He was realizing that it was not possible because of God's plan. And Jesus surrendered to that. See, Jesus was saying, if if there's any other way, if there's a way this cup could pass from me, what is that cup? The cup of God's wrath. We know that the Bible says that Jesus was suffering greatly, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, Jesus himself said. Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of, we know about the blood drops like thick blood. We know how anguishing this was. So he went to God in prayer. He understood God's power, but he submitted to God's plan. Are you submitting to God's plan over your life? I must stop thinking my way is best. We got to get over thinking we know everything and the best thing. No, God knows what's best and God will complete his plan. It reminds me of that song, the old country song, I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Remember that song? What a great song. I'm so thankful there are prayers that God said no to in my life. I'm thankful that God never answered some of the stupid prayers that I prayed. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about meeting Julie playing Burger Time at college and she walked by and flung her hair. But the reason why I was in the skillet at Cornerstone playing Burger Time is I was drowning my sorrows because I just got dumped by a girl. I had known this girl all the way through high school. We dated through high school. We went to college together and we were planning on getting married And she dumped me. I mean, something about the star basketball player and she was sneaking out and seeing him just, you know, ah, know, killed me. I was devastated. And I remember I was just in anguish for a year. I remember I would pray, Lord, give her back. Give her back to me, Lord. I'd pray and cry and plead, God, give her back. I'm so glad God doesn't answer stupid prayers. A year into my sorrow. I mean, I even went and saw the psychologist school. Dr. Ennis was a great psychologist. I had set up an appointment with him, and I went in, and I'm like, Dr. Ennis, she dumped me. I can't live anymore. And he was such a, a great man. Now that I'm 55, I kind of chuckle about it because I can imagine him going, oh, this idiot. <laughs> he was kind. He's like, well, Donnie, you, you want to pray about it? Yeah, I pray about it. I ask God, give her back. Give her back. He goes, okay, you, you can do that. Just go ahead and you know, Pray. I found myself playing burger time, drowning my sorrows quarter after quarter. And then Julie walked by, flung that hair. And then my prayer was, God, you can keep her. I want this one. (laughs) I'm glad he didn't answer my prayers. I thought I knew what was best. Oh, God had such a better plan. And oh, if you're sitting here thinking it's just coincidence, oh, PD, that's just all, it's not coincidence. One of the first messages I ever preached was called coincidence or providence. What do you believe? I believe in providence. You know, Julie was not even gonna go to Cornerstone University. She was already signed up and on the volleyball team at Grand Valley State University. And two weeks before she went to Grand Valley, she went to a Christian camp that Cornerstone sent a team to. And they led the worship and somehow God used that in my wife's heart. And at the end of that camp, my wife said, God, if you want me to go to a Christian school, I'll go. But I won't marry a pastor. <laughs> Refer to part two. God's plans are always best. Can you imagine God up in heaven just chuckling? Seeing little Donnie and Julie. Julie. She's going to Grand Valley. I'm drowning my sorrows in burger time. And then she walks by. With a flip of her hair. God's like, told (laughs) you. I don't believe in coincidence. I've learned that God's way is the best way. I'm not saying you can't pray. I mean, pour your heart out to God. You can be sincere, sincere. God loves you and he cares for you and he cares about your hurts. But always trust the fact that he has the power and he's got a plan. In Jeremiah, we've heard God says, I have a plan for I know the plans I have for you. Not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. God cares about you and knows what's best for you. And Jesus had it right during a dark moment in his life. To trust in God's power, to trust in God's plan. And the third thing is Jesus prayed relying on the Father's protection. This is a big deal because Jesus knew what it meant. That cup of wrath that he's asking, could it possibly be taken away from me? The answer is no, no. Aren't you thankful God didn't answer the prayer? I mean, as a heavenly father, he would look down and have mercy on his son. Aren't you glad that he didn't say, well, if, well, think about some other way. No, God's plan was for Jesus to take our sin, your sin and my sin. And he became our sinfulness on that cross. And he died, was buried And he rose again. Oh, did that take faith? Jesus had faith in his father that he had protection. He would walk through this death, but he would be raised again to new life. Do you have that kind of faith and assurance? In God's power, in God's plan, and in God's protection. I'm not promising you everything will go great in this life. It won't, I already told you. Chaos is either coming, going, or here. That's life. Are we dependent on God through the chaos of this world? I must stop thinking my strength is adequate. Friends, uh, politely as I can, your strength isn't going to cut it. I know we think we're self-sufficient, but we're not. And we need to rely on God's power. We need to trust in God's plan. And we need to surrender ourselves to God's protection. I believe if we got this right and realized that our strength isn't adequate, the Bible makes it clear that his strength is perfect. I love that. His strength is perfect. When our strength is gone, he'll carry us. His strength is perfect. Our strength is weak. So we surrender ourselves. With everything that I've said today, I truly believe that prayer is important, it's vital, it's vital for the life of a church, it's vital in the life of a Christian, but I don't think you're just going to get good at praying. I think what needs to happen is we need to surrender all to God, and we need to be dependent upon him through everything in our lives. Oh, there's lots of tips, there's lots of tools. I met with Mike Michalski several weeks ago, and we were talking about life, and Mike asked about my son, and, and I mentioned something, and he pulled out his phone, and he said, I'm going to add it to my prayer thing. And I said, well, what's that? Mike showed me his prayer app. It's called Echo. Uh, you can download that for free. Echo is a prayer app. And he showed me how, and I went and downloaded Echo, and I've been using it since we talked, Mike. I've got lots of prayers written down. And two weeks ago, Alec Cluck was giving his testimony to the teens and, and he shared with them. He held the his phone and he said, and here's an app I use. And I'm like, that's what I use. Guess what? We both met with Mike at different times. He's a good ambassador for Echo. And I'd encourage you to use tools. There's tools. I mean, we're so blessed. Every day I can open this app up and just walk through all the prayers and the specific needs that are in each person's life and add to it as I go. None of that will be a reality until we surrender our lives to God. And we surrender control and we surrender our power and our strength, which is not adequate. And we say, God, I need you. I'm going to ask Meg and Tracy to come and I ask them to close with a certain song. I joked about this song a couple of messages ago. How sometimes songs make us out to be liars. And I joked about the song, I surrender all, And we should actually sing I Surrender Some because we're not good at surrendering all. But I thought about that and I thought, you know, the writer of this hymn was struggling with prayer. It's something I read about this past week. He was struggling with prayer and struggling with his walk with God. And so this was his song he wrote to say I Surrender All. I'd like to sing four verses of this with the chorus today and have you sing with me. But I want it to be a moment of invitation for you. Maybe there's something in your life you have not surrendered. And the things that we're talking about here, about surrendering things to God and pray, praying over things, are things like maybe your, your relationship with your wife. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's something going on at work. Maybe it's your finances, your health. All these areas and more, we should be dependent on God for. And we should go to Him first. Julie and I, all the work I did this week on prayer. We ended last night by watching The War Room. Have you seen that movie yet? What a great movie about prayer and going into your war room. But you know what has to happen. A person needs to come to the point of surrender. Surrender. Let's stand and sing this today. Let it be your moment of invitation. I surrender all. All
1: to Jesus. Hey. to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power. Let Thy blessings fall on me.
0: your heads bowed, nobody looking around. I just want to ask the question, is anybody here today that would raise their hand and say, pastor, pray for me. There are things that I need to surrender to God. I need to be dependent on him. Anybody in the room? Amen. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd overcome these things in their lives. God, that they would literally surrender to you, be dependent upon you through prayer. May it strengthen our church. May it strengthen this body, Lord. We thank you for the gift of this path of communication right to the throne room that you've given on it. But it depends on our dependence upon you. God, help us to learn this. Help us to be like Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen.